Now it's time for the Disney View Podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his Grand Circle Tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to catch up on a little bit of Disney news and tell you about a couple of things that are going on and a couple of interesting uh, items that I caught that are related to Disney that are kind of fun. But first, before I get to that, I wanted to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story. I happened to finally get a chance to see it. It came to one of those really discounted theaters, and I went and saw it. And I'm glad that I only spent the couple of bucks to go see it, not more than that, because in a nutshell, this movie sucked. I thought it was terrible. I, I really didn't like it at all. The story didn't make sense. The backstory for Han Solo didn't make sense. I thought that uh, Alden, uh, what's his name, Alden Ehrenrich... I thought he did a terrible job of playing Han Solo. I thought he really didn't capture who Han Solo was. I thought he was too wisecracking, didn't have that, that other side to him, because the thing about Han Solo was he was an interesting and deep character. Uh, the, when you saw Harrison Ford portraying him, he was really interesting. And when you look back at the way Ewan McGregor looked at uh, the older Alec Guinness and went back and portrayed him and really captured some of the, the style of the way he speaks and some of the things that he, the way he would say things, he really got it. And he was a believable younger Obi-Wan Kenobi. In fact, when you kind of watch both, you get the feeling that it's the same guy. I mean, you, you get that feeling just the way they put it together. But it didn't feel that way with the young Han Solo. He just didn't feel like he fit in. Didn't feel like he was the right guy for the part. I didn't like the backstory. I didn't like the way that they developed him, how they talked about him, the things that they did with the character to kind of move the story points along and give him some backstory. It just didn't make sense. It didn't match up to what the uh, Star Wars... Han Solo character was in episode four. It just didn't quite fit in. And then Chewbacca, the way he wound up there, that was, you know, interesting, but I don't think it really worked because the last time we saw him, he was on Kashyyyk with Yoda. And, you know, how did he get enslaved by the Empire? Whatever. So these things just, it kind of didn't work. The storyline was kind of weird. I didn't like all the, you know, the, some of the characters that they threw at you. The Woody Harrelson character was kind of a throwaway, you know, really served no purpose other than just to be there and kind of uh, be Woody Harrelson, basically. You know, there's no double-crossing, there's no interesting stuff. I mean, they tried to throw it at you that way, but he really didn't. I mean, and it was just weird. And I just didn't like the way the story came together. It was too long, it was too disjointed, it didn't really flow from end to end. I don't like the way he met Lando. I liked um, Mr. Glover there as uh, as Lando Cal Calrissian, but... I didn't like the way the story, where the way he played the part in the story. He was good in that. He he reminded me of a young Lando. He actually captured some of what Lando was, but you didn't get enough of him to really get the sense of who he was and why he and Han became friends, and or frenemies, I guess. And it was kind of weird, you know. And they they went on the ship and they did whatever. And it was you know there was some cute little nods there back to a, the Star Wars lore. The way they brought back Darth Maul was interesting. Don't know if I like that or not, but you know it was interesting the way they did that. And there was a few other nods to the original series that I thought were clever, but overall it wasn't enough to make it really work. 
when you're sitting there watching the movie, you're like, yeah, come on. You could do more with this. There's so much more you could do with this character. He's a really deep and interesting character, and Han Solo must have had an interesting backstory. And this was not an interesting backstory. And it was just troubling that that's the way it worked out because I thought they could have done so much more with it. And I was really hoping that there would be more to it, that it would be more interesting, more compelling. You would learn a little bit more about who Han Solo was rather than having this half-hearted look at some guy who was saying he was Han Solo. It was just weird. And, uh, you know, the nod to the dice was cute, the way they put the dice back and forth. I thought that was kind of cute, but it wasn't really necessary. It was kind of gratuitous in a way. Anyway, so that was my take on it. I'm curious what you guys think. Uh, the reviews on it were all pretty spot on to my opinion. Uh, you know, I thought they all pretty much came back and said it was a terrible movie. There was some really glowing reviews that seemed like that they were not accurate, you know, that they were put out by the studio perhaps. But the, uh, the other reviews from what seemed like real fans, they were pretty low and they had that same sort of feeling. It just didn't have that Star Wars feel to it. It just was missing a lot. So kind of glad I didn't spend more on it uh, and uh, kind of sorry that it worked out that way. Will I still be a Star Wars fan? Of course. You know, that's the way it works. And so, in some ways, it's unfortunate that Disney is using it the way they're using it. They're using this vehicle to kind of promote their own brand rather than trying to tell good stories. But maybe they'll come back around and get the, you know, get a couple more right going down the road. Who knows? They've done some other good movies. So, you know, this one's just a little weak at this point. The whole Star Wars franchise needs a little bit of life. And I don't know what they can do to it to give it life, but it needs a little something. So now I'll turn over to the news, and one of the uh, first things I wanted to talk about was Disney's acquisition of 20th, 21st Century Fox. And uh, so the Department of Justice approved the merger, uh, that Disney could acquire them, and the uh, shareholders approved a vote uh, on a vote line. They approved the merger that Disney could acquire them. So Disney will be acquiring them in spite of the fact that uh, Universal came back with another offer late in the game. Uh, they went ahead with the, uh, the acquisition. And they'll be closing the deal in early 2019. So Disney will own 21st Century Fox in its entirety with the exception of Fox Sports, Fox Business, Fox News, and the local Fox TV stations that are uh, around the country. And the reason for that is they already own the ABC TV stations. So they don't need the Fox stations. It's duplication and wouldn't, would um, run afoul of the, uh, the network rules. Uh, they also cannot uh, own uh, – they don't want to own Fox Sports because they already own uh, ESPN. And uh, the uh, Fox business and the Fox News are not businesses they want to get into, so they let those go. So the shareholders for the uh, parent company of Fox will now own the, those brands. And uh, my guess, if I were going to guess, is they'll get sold later to some other buyer. But anyway, so the interesting thing for Disney is there's a couple of uh, little twists here. They now will own Avatar, and uh, so Avatar Land becomes their property, as I've said in the past. They now will own the distribution rights to Star Wars Episode Four. Through some very unusual dealings, they weren't able to acquire that from Lucasfilm because Lucasfilm didn't own it. Lucasfilm owned the rights to the movie, but not the distribution rights to the movie, so Disney couldn't produce the movie for sale. And so that was it. And they also couldn't uh, release the original unedited version of it because for the same reason. So now they own that, and they can do more with it. This also means that now they have a larger library of movies. They will be moving ahead with their own streaming service. I have no doubt that their streaming service is on the horizon. They're going to create their own service, put uh, streaming movies out there, put their own movies out there. They started removing some of them from Netflix and, uh, and from Amazon already uh, as the contracts go up for them, and they're not adding new movies to, to either of them. 
because they're going to have their own streaming service. It's, what we're moving to is instead of having cable TV, you're going to have this, these internet services where you play, pay a la carte for different things. So you'll pay something for ESPN. You'll pay something for Disney. You'll pay something for, say, uh, CBS. You'll pay something for Netflix. And all of that would add up to probably less than what your cable bill was before, and you get a la carte things that you actually want. So if you pay a little more for something that you want the premium service of it, then you can pay a little more and then you don't have to get something else. So there's some nice little twists that go in there. I think Disney will probably either uh, have different tiers that they'll allow for. So you could buy ESPN without some of the other properties, or you could buy it as a package and pay less than you would for each of the properties. That would be my guess. We'll see where they actually net out. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play it out and how this all works out for Disney because, you know, got to remember there's a lot of money involved in this. And right now Netflix owns the marketplace and Netflix is trying to respond by creating more content and buying more properties from other people. But now they won't have any of the Fox content either because Disney will remove that as well. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how everybody kind of works together and what they, what they figure out. Uh, I find it really interesting. I think in the end, we as consumers will probably win out. We'll probably get some better products as a result of this, but we'll see how it actually plays out because you never really know how these things are going to work out uh, until they actually hit you. So kind of funny. Turning to the Disney properties, um, something interesting. Disney decided that they are no longer going to have plastic uh, uh, anywhere in any of their parks. Basically, uh, Disney has maintained a commitment to environmental stewardship that's acted upon in both big and small ways since uh, 1995. The Disney Conservation Fund has directed more than $70 million to reverse the decline of wildlife around the world. In 2017, the Walt Disney Company introduced its net greenhouse gas emissions by 41% and diverted nearly 50% of waste from landfills and incineration, making significant progress on the long-term goal of attaining a zero state of net greenhouse gas emissions. So a couple of weeks ago, Disney announced the next step in its commitment. By 2019, the company will eliminate single-use plastic straws and plastic stirrers at all owned and operated locations across the globe, amounting to a reduction of more than 175 million straws and 13 million stirrers annually. Disney also shared additional plans to reduce plastic waste across its businesses over the next few years by transitioning to refillable in-room amenities in Disney's hotels and on cruise ships, reducing the number of plastic shopping bags in its parks, on Disney Cruise Lines, and by completing its work to eliminate polystyrene cups across uh, all of its globally owned and operated businesses. In addition to its long-term efforts to reduce single-use plastics, the company will continue to recycle and responsibly dispose of single-use waste that cannot be eliminated. Eliminating plastic straws and other plastic items is a meaningful step in our long-standing commitment to environmental stewardship, said Bob Chapek, chairman of Disney Parks, Experiences in Consumer Products, These new global efforts help reduce our environmental footprint and advance our long-term sustainability goals. Dr. M. Sanjayan, CEO of Conservation International, said, Disney has always been inspired by nature, and it's a uniquely powerful brand that inspires, educates, and entertains all at the same time. Today's announcement is more than about reducing single-use plastic waste. It's about showing millions of kids and adults from around the world the many ways we can change our daily habits to care for the oceans and protect the nature that sustains us all. It also builds on Disney's longstanding commitment to conservation and environmental stewardship, a legacy that stretches from the highlands of Peru to the islands of the South Pacific. So I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, Disney is trying to make a commitment to the environment. 
Um, and this is one of the ways that companies, especially like Disney that's a global brand, can do something good, do something net positive uh, for the community, for the world in general. And I think that's, that's pretty good. You know, for all the, all the things we can say that Disney may, maybe doesn't do perfectly or doesn't do as well as maybe they could, there are a lot of things that they do very well. And they work very hard to try and attain something that's better in a general sense. And I, I really like that and appreciate it. I also saw an article about the Walt Disney Studios Studio Lab uh, products. They're advancing the art of storytelling through next-generation technology. From Walt Disney's early hand-drawn animation cartoon, Steamboat Willie, to the live-action feature, The Jungle Book, and the interactive experience, Coco VR, the Walt Disney Studios has spent nearly 100 years transporting audiences to new and stunning worlds using groundbreaking technology and a little pixie dust. With films like The Jungle Book and our upcoming The Lion King, We've seen firsthand the role that technology can play in helping us tell stories in new and powerful ways, says Sean Bailey, president of Walt Disney Studios Motion Picture Productions and Studio Lab executive sponsor. To continue in this legacy of innovative storytelling, we are excited to announce the opening of the Walt Disney Studios Studio Lab, a brand new tech hub focused on advancing the art of storytelling with cutting-edge tools and methods. Studio Lab is all about giving our storytellers new superpowers, says Benjamin Havey, vice president technology innovation group at the Walt Disney Studios. The Walt Disney Studios is already known for creating high-quality stories with heart, but now studio creatives and productions entities will have the uh, space to gather and explore new ways of optimizing their storytelling, and to help bring the lab to life, the Studio Lab team set out to collaborate with Silicon Valley leaders Accenture Interactive, Cisco, and Hewlett-Packard, who came on board uh, as inaugural innovation partners. Located inside the famed old animation building in the heart of the studio lot, this brand new 3,500 square foot facility is both ultra sleek and reminiscent of the past with mid-century modern furnishings that call to mind Walt Disney's original office. This new creative space will enable filmmakers from Disney's film studios, Disney Live Action, Walt Disney Animation Studios, Pixar Animation Studios, Marvel Studios, and Lucasfilm to more easily collaborate with one another, explore new technologies, and experience the latest projects, content, tools, and devices Studio Lab partners, as well as the broader technology industry. Studio Lab will offer exclusive VR, artificial intelligence, and mixed reality experiences. One of the first Studio Lab innovations was Coco VR, recently nominated for the 2018 Emmy Award for Outstanding Original Interactive Program. Working alongside creatives from Pixar, the Studio Lab team was instrumental in producing Pixar's first-ever virtual reality experience. Our vision for Studio Lab was to create a place where our amazing filmmakers and creative executives can engage in hands-on experimentation and exploration of next-generation technologies to push the art of storytelling forward in a fresh and exciting ways. Say, said uh, Jamie Voris, Chief Technology Officer at the Walt Disney Studios and Studio Lab Executive Sponsor. Accenture Interactive, Cisco, and HPE, that's Hewlett Packard, each bring their unique ex expertise and technologies to Studio Lab, which will also help its innovation partners develop new and easily adaptable technologies to better meet the needs of the creative community, driving business values for all partners involved. Accenture and its design and innovation unit, Fjord, will play a lead role in helping to establish Studio Lab as well as define and develop cutting-edge entertainment technology with an initial focus on immersive entertainment, artificial intelli intelligence, and the future of movie production, the next-generation cinematic platforms. Cisco, the industry leader in networking, brings its hardware and software solutions to Studio Lab, extending to services spanning network storage, orchestration, and collaboration. At the launch of Studio Lab, Cisco is focused on such areas as enhancing the remote collaboration experience for creatives and studio leadership. 
Hewlett-Packard will use its industry-leading portfolio of servers, GPUs, and memory-driven computing platforms to build solutions to transform, transform the filmmaking industry. They'll apply the emerging technologies like AI and deep learning to the filmmaking process and creative workflows. I find that to be really pretty cool. When you look at all of the things that are out there in terms of movies. So movies tell a story. You know, they missed the mark with the Han Solo movie. They didn't quite capture the storytelling. But in a lot of movies, the storytelling is really good. But how do you immerse someone in the storytelling? You know, the old techniques of making movies, uh, you know, you can't use those anymore. They, they could, but you, you wouldn't sell the movie because it's missing something. Now it's about, you know, all these things that you do where you feel more immersed in the movie. You feel like you're part of the movie. You see things out there. You watch a movie. You know, some of them are very, you know, very uh, fun to watch. You know, they have a certain something about them where they're actually kind of fun. So you take Avatar as the example. That's eye candy. And it was a beautiful film from the eye candy perspective when it came out, what was it, 10 years ago. And, you know, it was, it was really well done in that sense, but it didn't tell a good story. So, you know, you run the gamut here. So can you tell a good story and immerse someone in it? If you can, then you've got something. You've got a winner. So you hope that they can start to do that and build something that's really immersive and fun and interactive. You know, going to the movies anymore, it's got to be special. They've made these, they put, all the, put in recliner chairs in many of the uh, movie theaters because getting people to the theaters anymore, you're not telling good stories, you're not making good movies. I'm not saying they're all bad, but just in general, how do you get people to the movies to actually sit there and watch a film? And we're on these uh, differently scheduled lives. Back in the days before the internet, it was easy to say, hey, I'm going to go see the movie at 4 o'clock and be there at 3.30, 3.45, go see the movie, you know, grab a seat and, and enjoy it. Now when you say you're going to see the movie at 4, well, I've got this, this other stuff I'm doing and something else runs late and this other thing happens and I miss the 4 o'clock show. What do I do? It's harder to plan your life around that. It's easier to sit at home and watch the entertainment that way. So could you find somewhere in between where there's a reason to go to the movie theater and really get immersed in the story? And I think that's, that's going to be interesting. And then I think Disney can also expand some of this into the theme parks and some of the interactive things they want to do with the theme parks when you start to make it a more immersive experience at the theme park. Beyond just the theming and the thematics of it, what's the attraction that makes it interesting and compelling? So we'll see where that goes, but I find it kind of interesting. I think there's some interesting ideas and things that Disney can do, and that's, that's why I was fascinated by that story. Well, there you go. That's my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes... I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 